0: Making wealth. There are lots of different tools out there, but it also requires a mindset shift. In my conversation with Christina Wise, who's a real estate mogul and millionaire coach and creator of multi-million dollar businesses, we chat about, is real estate, particularly housing markets, still a great tool for you to create wealth? How do you approach this conversation of where is primary residence, a actual tool for you to create wealth and is that where you should start and how do you look to find and what do you need to do that mindset that allows you to really look at your finances differently and operate it more like a business so join me on this conversation you and i know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging but in the 21st century financial freedom is no longer just for the one percent wealthy it is for you and me The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shurgunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses, Anna is here, and welcome back to the Money Boss Podcast. I'm excited for our conversation today as we dedicated a whole month of September talking about the real estate market. And our guest today is Christina Wise, who is going to shine some light for us on this topic. And I want to particularly kind of talk about what's going on in the market, what are we seeing, and what to really make sense out of it. So, Christina Wise is a real estate mogul. She's a millionaire coach and a creator of several multi million dollar businesses, including Good Life. Luxury, the paperless agent, and most recently, Wealthy Wealthy. She is also an international speaker and an award winning author of the Amazon bestseller Falling for Money, a romance novel for your bank account. Christina, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. Well, my two favorite subjects to talk about money and real estate. So it's a pleasure.
0: I love it. Yes. Yes. So it, there's lots going on right in the housing market and it's I think it's it's not just today it's probably always been like that but I'm hearing lots of things and even just like looking outside my window and seeing what's going on in my you know in my own backyard but it feels like there's a lot less homes are available for, for sale maybe it's just my feeling and you know it seems like the prices have increased so much that a lot of people are like okay well we're gonna really wait this out even though we really want it. A bigger home or a home, you know, wherever you are in your you know home ownership journey, mortgage rates are low. So that's really still attractive. And then now I live in San Francisco Bay Area. So the housing market here, you know, allows a lot of international buyers to come in. It's attractive. But I think the COVID kind of put a break on that. So like there's a lot of the you know indicators around, you know, or pushing things to give us some kind of a message. So I wanna kind of have a conversation about all of this with you today. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit about what what your experience has been and what you've done in your career and how you really made you know wealth in real estate. Yeah, well, I
1: didn't start out that way. I started out in real estate sales and real estate brokerage. And that was a big part is that my business was well when I before I created a business out of real estate. I was just a top salesperson. So did great, made a lot of money, a lot of commissions, worked hard, you know, barely saw the light of day. But, you know, it was, it was a good career in the sense of making money. Mm-hmm. And but what I realized is that my it was really trading dollars for hours at that point. And I got really burnt out because I could only make as much money as the number of houses I could sell as an individual. So it was from there that I really explored turning it into a business. And that's where I created a brokerage and had leveraged myself through other team members and other real estate agents and, and had a nice successful ride with that. But even then I realized that I didn't have a life. I, I wasn't necessarily working with my own buyers and sellers as much, but I was still trying to keep employees and agents happy. And you know, I, there was a large number of them so I realized I didn't have any more time, I didn't have any more, you know, space. I was burning the candle at both ends and, you know, through a lot of other learning experiences throughout my career and my personal life, I you know, I finally realized that income is different than wealth and that I was really great at making income, but I was really I really sucked at at creating wealth, meaning I was only as good as the next commission. And so many entrepreneurs or let's say salespeople are those that at the end of the year, you have a banner year in sales or commissions or something like that. But the next year on January 1, you have to do it all over again. And it really leads to a career burnout. Even as an entrepreneur, it's like, okay, I had a good year, but gosh darn, I have to kind of start from scratch again. And so it's really learning through all that where I realized that, oh, leverage, business is leverage and entrepreneurship can be leverage. And making great money is cool. But at the end of the day, if we're only as good as that next paycheck and there's no surplus, there's no wealth, there's no cash, it's a very financially stressful place to live. And I think it's where most people live. And so then we get caught up in this belief that the answer to all my money problems is to make more money. And more money can just be more problems when we don't really have a healthy mindset and skill set around this subject. Evidenced by how many celebrities or athletes we know that are basically bankrupt within you know, years of really earning a fortune. So it's not about how much money you make, it's really about how much wealth you can create, which is the secret to like financial freedom and sovereignty and independence and, and space and more security, less stress. So that's where I really became curious about, okay, income's different than wealth, I'm great at income, I suck at wealth. So what is wealth, and then it's a different game. So I just started learning and and really made it my personal mission to create wealth and for me since I was in the real estate industry it only made sense to create most of my wealth through real estate i've created other parts of my wealth through other through other assets and other types of investments but for the most part it's been through real estate
0: yeah and it, d- it does make it does an makes sense it's a natural extension My husband and I when you were describing sort of that like you had a great year as a real estate agent and then in January one it starts again. My husband is a real estate broker and he sells commercial real estate. So I can relate to that very much. Yeah, it's great. You
1: get the award, you get the medal around your neck, you know, on your award ceremony in December, and then it starts from zero again the next year. It's like, what the hell? It's fun early in the career, but later on it's like I'm kind of tired of this you know there's got to be something more
0: to this and having to go just punch it out again
1: no i agree too i
0: agree with that i mean some people really do get the thrill of that right and so he's probably you know he's in his mid-career right now and going to all of it is still all exciting but definitely getting to that next level okay how does the money that you've Earned so hard now starts to work for you. So one of the first things, and I know this is probably just a lot, an American dream. I don't know if it's still true. I, I, you know, it's it's definitely has been the dream for you know the older generation, like the baby boomer generation. And I work with a lot of clients creating financial plans for them. You know, from all walks of lives and you know all life phases. And so, like the home ownership. Is has been traditionally an American dream. Like that's what you really work hard for. You you save up your money, you buy the home. And so that becomes right naturally an asset or you know, a wealth-building tool or an asset that grows. So let's talk a little bit about has that concept shifted for the younger generation? And yeah, do you still see, do you still view home or personal primary residence or personal residence as that wealth building tool?
1: Well, yes and no. And I guess maybe the answer is it depends. And, you know, the, we're still living in a lot of the industrial age protocols or ways. So that's, that's an industrial age concept where you work for 30, 40 years for a company, maybe one or two companies at most, and you saved it for the retirement and you bought a house and you got a 30 year loan. And the idea with that, the reason why, is because at the end of the 30 years, a lot of people stayed in their houses. Maybe they sold their house once, but you know, not like today. I mean, people didn't move around as much and they stayed put and they stayed in a job. And, and so really life at that time was around you work for 30, 40 years, you retire, and when you retire, your house is paid off. And it wasn't so much about wealth creation, even though that's what we think. It was more about having. This opportunity that was unique, really, to the u s that wasn't so unique in other parts of the world, that really gave us this opportunity to own our home through paying it off over the tenure of working a job, right? So that's nice. When you're retired, you don't want to have that three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollar month payment anymore. If you were to rent a home, you will always have a payment to put a roof over your head, right? So you rent your home from the mortgage company until the day it's paid off and then you own it. Now you don't have to make those payments anymore. If you don't own a home at the end of the 30 years, then you'll continue to have to pay for your housing. So that's why it was set up that way so that people could have their retirement many times in the form of pensions and they could have their home that's already paid off and they could live out their last three to five to maybe 10 years max kind of living in the rocking chairs and that's kind of in playing golf. And that's the vision that we have in our heads, right? That's That's what's still given to us based on historically how it was. Well, times aren't like that anymore. One, we're changing jobs all the time. We're entrepreneurs, a lot higher percentage of entrepreneurship today that that's available. And so, and so we live in houses really differently than we did then. So the answer really to that question is it really depends on your lifestyle. Now, the Again, the idea, hopefully, wherever we wish to I don't like the word retirement, but since it's kind of the word people use that the idea is still I do promote the idea that you know you would want some place to live at a certain age where you don't have to be concerned about those payments anymore because you're you know you're just not out working so hard. To, you know, the, your working income that's high during your working incomes, you don't want to have to cover that amount that would otherwise be that rent or mortgage payment. So I still like that idea. It's that what I call lifestyle architecture. You still want to plan for someday in the future where you don't have to make a rent payment, right? But outside of that, primary ownership of a home is not a wealth building. Your Your primary home is not wealth, despite we've kind of been taught that. And the reason why is because assets are what wealth is. And anything, my definition of an asset is something that makes you money, not costs you money. Mm -hmm. So your primary residence costs you money. So it's not an asset. Now, granted, you get to pay that off over time. So sometime if it's paid off, you won't have that payment. So it's not an asset as a primary residence, even though we have quote unquote this equity or this valuation that goes up, but that's not real money. Our money in our house is not real. Till the day that we sell the house and can use that money, but usually, if we sell a house, we're putting that money into the next house, and the next house, and the next house. So none of that money is usable. So again, that house is costing us money; it's not making us money. But again, in the future, we might want a house that's paid for, which might, which could be the reason to do that. So today, when I work with millennials, and I have two millennial children, so we've had this conversation. And they do like the idea of real estate for wealth creation. We actually go in to buy their first home as an investment, even though it's going to be their primary residence for a period of time. But the mindset going in is this might be a rental property in a certain number of years. Right now it's going to serve this, but I'm going in it buying it as an investment. So when you go in buying a house as an investment mindset versus my personal residence, you buy it differently. You look through a different lens. It's about the money. It's not about maxing out your mortgage payments. You can keep up with the Joneses to look really good to all your friends and put all the new furniture on a credit card and all these things that are robbing us of our wealth. So again, that's really the intentionality behind it. So there we go to answer your question. In many cases, it's less expensive to rent. So many times when I'm consulting millennials, for example, and my, you know, my kids and their friends, it's as though, you know, it might make sense for you to rent, like get a really great rent spot that's in a place that you want to live that really supports your lifestyle without overspending on that. But now let's save the money so we can buy an investment property. We can start investing that money elsewhere so you can start creating wealth at 25, Versus waiting to start at 45, which is when a lot of people start thinking about it, when they start bumping up against getting tired and burn out because they have to start the clock over every January 1. So, does that answer your question? Like, it really depends on what your lifestyle is. If you're getting married and you really like being at home and you want to put some sweat equity in, increase the value, and like that ownership feeling and that has meaning to you, then you might want to buy. But it's just you're buying differently today than the reasons that we bought historically.
0: Yeah, totally. No, it makes sense. And and this is very interesting conversations because we plan our finances, right? Since the housing or where we live, we plan our finances really heavily around that, right? Because first of all, if we need to afford a mortgage, that may not be, you know, the best you know alternative for us or like the rent payment. So yeah, I think it really depends. So if we don't view the primary residence as an investment, right, or as an investment that we should put, you know or pursue first and i'm kind of thinking about first time home buyers especially in context of the pandemic that we've been going through where the home all of a sudden turned into your office, your school if you had kids like everything. So like i think just that alone magnified the value of people thinking oh my gosh, we we've got to buy now. Like we can't be living in this two bedroom apartment, right, in a really nice neighborhood in San Francisco paying rent through the roof and we just can't do anything. So it's not going anywhere just yet. The pandemic is here for now, right? And people are still working from home and and all of that. So how do we graduate to that next level? So like if we are on the side of things that we want to have you know ownership of the home and we're ready and we need the space, maybe there's a family with kids, how do we look at that and justify it in the whole context of our financial plan and you know where we focusing on building wealth?
1: Well, I think a lot of it, it, it's like working with you, for example, to work with experts to really think through these things. But it, it depends if wealth creation is part of the equation. So what happens when it comes to buying a home is what most people do is they max out their mortgage payment. So the lenders have their banks. So they have this really sweet algorithm, this really sweet spot where they'll max out how much money they'll lend you but they won't over lend you because they know exactly that ratio of where they can lend you as much money possible for their sake without taking any additional risk where you might default because you can't fully afford it. But what we think since we're not working with planners or advisors or experts or doing our homework is that kind of the, the subconscious understanding is that, oh, well, the bank wouldn't lend me more money than I can afford. And now we're maxing out how much Will borrow to buy a house because houses are expensive, for example. But what that happens is when thirty three to forty percent of our income off the top is going towards our mortgage payment, and now we have a credit card or two and we have a car payment or two add on to it, now we're financially strapped, plus than just the regular things we spend money on. And so, and it's all relative to income. So it doesn't matter how much money you make. if you're maxing out relative to income, a $50,000 earner is in the same financial stress as a $250,000 earner when you're basing it off percentage. So that's where this idea that the more money I make is the answer to all my problems. It's like, no, if you keep maxing out how much money you can borrow, it doesn't matter how much money you earn, you're always in that same financial strap feeling and anxiety, but it's a bigger risk the more borrowing you carry, like the more loans you carry, right? The more debt that you have. So the more money you make, The more leveraged you are in the bad way means the more stressed out you are than somebody that's earning less and has less you know, of that monthly obligation that they have to wake up and make those payments every single month. So at the end of the day, it's looking at what is the amount of housing spend that I can spend that still gives me enough margin to make sure I start investing because it takes 20 years to build wealth. It's compounded and it's pennies at the beginning and then it's dollars and then it's $10 and $100 and $1,000 towards the end of the hockey stick. But that's closer to your 20 years of being a really disciplined investor, putting that money away. So each day we're not putting money aside to invest for that compounding hockey stick effect that always happens at the end of the 20 years. We're just pushing out that much longer to this place where we're going to be kind of month to month, again, regardless of how much money we earn. So, to answer your question again, it's like, yeah, home ownership all the way. I'm a big fan of home ownership. There's so many benefits. And those that own, you know, there's the stats that those that have the most amount of wealth are homeowners because you kind of just think about your money differently in a way. But again, the danger is over borrowing. And that's just it. So, it's not about home ownership or not home ownership at the end of the day. It's about over borrowing. And it's over borrowing relative to all the other borrowing we're doing. And to know that. It's the monthly payments that is what keeps us strapped and keeps us from having the money to invest. And again, it's, it's, we just max out because we think we can afford it. The, you know, the combination of all those payments we make between the mortgage payment and the car payment and the credit card payments. And, you know, then you add on the life experience, the life, just utilities and clothing and restaurants and you add all that on top. There's no margin left and wealth is created in the margins. You have to have a margin between what you earn and what you, the totality of what you spend. And that's where your wealth is created is in that margin. So if you have a 2% margin, that's, that's that opportunity. If you have a 20% margin, that's that opportunity. But again, it's just to know your wealth is created in the margin. If you have no margin, you have no opportunity to build wealth, regardless of whether you own a house or not.
0: Yeah, I, and I like that you've um, you've incorporated this concept of investing because again, if we can demystify the fact that primary residents, particularly right, because you know you can buy homes and rent them out and that can start creating wealth for you, right? And we can talk about that for, for a whole you know whole other episode. But if you're not investing as you go, and if the sooner you start, the better it is because that helps with all the time in the world. Then the ownership of like becoming the homeowner is is really not what you should be striving for, and I think a lot of people are still very much ashamed of that. Like this, I mean, some I think that the the millennial generation completely sort of flipped this coin of the American dream being a homeowner's upside down by saying, "Well, we don't want to, we can't afford it, or whatever the reasons are, and we see the world differently. We want to live in different places. We we want to be free." So. I, if anything, the message that I'm hearing is like, do you really understand what you want, you could be the homeowner, but are you really after creating wealth and thinking about, you know, the future? And I, I want to comment too. I don't, am not a big fan of the word retirement either. <laughs> it feels like that industrial age, right?
1: Well, it is industrial age. The whole world yeah. is, I like the word freedom, like financial independence and financial freedom. So that's what I teach. I just use that word because mm-hmm. at least we all kind of know yes. what that means. And, you know, and I like to use again, my children as an example. So I have a 25 and 26 year old and neither one of them own a home. In fact, my daughter is just about to get married and she and her boyfriend are together. And so we had a conversation very similar to this and for them to really have the lifestyle they want and to, you know, they going through this conversation is that they're renting and they're renting a really cute apartment in a great part of the town they're in. And it just serves all their lifestyle needs, like walking the dog and being close to town and being on the bike trails. And they're super happy there. So many times like the idea is like, Oh, they're renting. But my daughter, I mean, she has a higher net worth than a lot of people my age. So she's, she's following all the things that I teach, for example, and she's invested in real estate. And different, you know, a couple different things, one with me and some others on her own. And she's invested in her whole life insurance policy already and building that cash value and have those future opportunities. And she's planning for, you know, things when she has kids. And so it's the idea she's way on her journey to wealth creation and she has some, even though they're just renting and getting started out and they may or may not buy a house in the next one to two years. They probably won't, but she's very disciplined about her wealth creation. Right. And so. It's just this idea, too, is that we've been taught to think a certain way. And just by answering a few questions and talking through this, it's like, you know what? No, homeownership would be too expensive right now. It actually robbed my ability because, you know, we'd be putting a lot of money in the house and we'd be spending more and da-da-da-da-da to get the house we want. It would be this expensive. Now, do we want to be in an apartment forever? No, but for this stage of life, we can build some wealth on our modest salaries and things that we're doing right now and then worry about that when, you know, it's the right opportunity. So again, we just have to like, we've been so conditioned because things have been a certain way for so long. If we just work with those that can help us question into the best decision for us, it might be very different than what we thought it would be.
0: Yeah, I agree. Hey, money bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order once and for all as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together, but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger, but you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow System, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting and who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less than five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. And so, you know, one thing to kind of conclude on, you know, these points we're discussing, even though you hear and you read a lot of things in the news and like the biggest driver, I think, for all of this, too, is people are hearing like, oh, my gosh, interest rates on the mortgages are so low right now. We got to get in or, you know, all these things, the home prices or like, you know, they see less of the homes in, in their own local, you know, backyard. So like all of that is just noise, right? At the end of the day, you look at your financial situation, you assess it. And something that you mentioned too, Christina, I want to kind of expand on it, is the mindset. And so, you know, what is that mindset that you have? And what are you what are you striving for? What are your goals? Well, when the goal is freedom, when it's financial
1: freedom, and again, depending on what age you're starting, the younger, the better, right? For so many reasons, but the younger, the better. And when you understand wealth and you're in the wealth game and not the income game, you make decisions radically differently than when you're just kind of in the make as much money as you can and spend it all, you know, mm-hmm. home ownership or not. So when we start talking about wealth and understanding it again, you just look through a different lens. It's every, every question's different. Every answer is different. Every decision's different. So that's, that's a big piece of it. Is just the mindset about around wealth, and then in the mindset about maybe like freedom is wealth is freedom, and when that's the mindset, that's the desire, that's the ultimate goal. Again, then we reverse engineer into those numbers, and the great thing about money is very simple math, like very simple math. Go into Google and put in a compounding calculator. You know, just in my money school, we go through these numbers so that everybody is very clear. On how much money is enough? And what are those numbers? And reverse engineer, it's like, got it, I can do that. And I really call that the millionaire in the making. So again, not to just (laughs) talk too much about my children, but I just like that because of the age is that at 25 and 26, they're both millionaires, because their mindset is millionaires, like, and it's not about going to make a million, it's about having a million. Now, granted, they're earlier in their careers. And so, you know their incomes will continue to go up, but it's not about how do I make my first million dollars in an entrepreneur or whatever sales commissions, or, I mean, great. The more money they can make awesome, but it's not that it's a millionaire mindset. As far as I want to be a millionaire in terms of net worth, not including my personal residence. And so what, and I want to be a millionaire by this period of time. So what that means, if I compound over a certain amount of time at a, you know, kind of an average interest rate to be conservative, then how much money do I need to put away today to be able to hit that number, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now? And if we start that now, granted, this tells me how much money I do have to spend on my mortgage and my cars and, and everything else to make sure that I keep that margin whole, which is what I call profit first. And that's something we can talk about later, but it's the idea of treating your household finance as a business and looking for margin and profit, which those are business terms. So that's the mindset going in. And both of them, they're just very clear, like they know their number. They want to be a millionaire by a certain period of time. So they're making financial decisions accordingly as they grow their income, as they build their businesses, as they do these different things. But that's the non-negotiable
0: if we i like the the how managing your household finances as a business concept. So if we put aside the primary residence that's like the more emotional piece, right, of investing which not, we i think agree in our conversation today that it's not quite that. And really look at real estate as a wealth building tool, how like, let's say you already own a home. You're comfortable there, you have family that you're raising how do you, what's the next step if real estate is something you want to consider as a wealth? Yeah, well, first of all,
1: what I would say is that you don't wait. My my advice is don't wait to make wealth a something to consider until after you buy your first home. You buy your first home in the container of wealth creation already, right? So that's, that's tip number one, which is a big difference. And then, and again, when you're in the wealth game, every Every financial decision you make is really built around that non-negotiable in determining what that is, and that just again takes some simple math and mindset. Outside of that, then it's really just you know what I teach is a concept that I call the 20-80-20. And if you take twenty percent off the top of your gross, and you're applying that, and you're putting it into an investment bucket to invest. Then you're growing your investment bucket either over time to make a big purchase, like cash down on investment property because that takes cash and savings. You have to save up for that. That's the downside to real estate as a tool for wealth is it you have to have a minimum, usually in many cases, 20% to buy an investment property. So you have to have that cash. But your biggest investment opportunities come from big purchases. Like So when you have $50,000, $100,000, those are typically going to be your best returns. But if you're saving money over time through investing and you're just putting it in an index fund or doing whatever you're doing, again, it's just being in the habit that you're building, not for retirement, not like set it and forget it forever, but you're putting some amount of money aside that's growing. If it's growing in a savings account or it's growing in an index fund or wherever it is, it's just money that you're putting aside so that when the investment opportunities present themselves, you can go buy an asset. And it's just understanding assets are the wealth building game you think in terms of assets and asset value and cash flow and again it's it's just it's a different nomenclature it's a different it's it's different so i teach there's i teach this concept that there are these three master categories of money and they're very independent and integrated at the same time but when we can understand this and we can start thinking through our money through these three master categories again We behave with our money differently. We think about it differently. Again, it's a radically different mindset, but we're not taught to think this way because money's not taught in school. Yet it's a very important life skill, if not the most important life skill, because money affects everything. So the first master category really is our earnings. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, that type of thing, or salespeople, you know, those that their earnings are really based off of kind of what they go out and you know, hunt and kill, so to speak, you know, so you're just building your business or your sales career, whatever around that. But at the end of the day, whether, however you take your earnings, if it's a corporate job, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a salesperson, at the end of the day, we want to treat all, we want to think of ourselves as a business person and for tax reasons, but just, again, this is mindset and how to operate your money that's counterintuitive and countercultural in a way, but this is the way wealth is created. Is that we run all of our money through this mindset of I have a business. I'm not the business, but I have a business. So then you have, then you understand the concept of a profit and loss and revenue, cost of sales, gross profit minus expenses equals profit. And just these very, like the most simplest of business financials that everybody can do. But I really recommend, especially like not to intertwine or, or to commingle your earnings with your. Personal finance. Think of your earnings as a business because that type of business money creates more money inside, kind of that business container. Now we move money out of that container. And we move it into our household. So when we pay ourselves through our business, or you know, we can be a corporate, you know, we can be in corporate many times and still funnel money through an LLC or different things. Like there are different ways to do this. But let's just say I'm a, you know, I'm a solopreneur or a salesperson, and I have this separate S corp setup. That, you know, that gets paid. I can run business expenses out of that. That's really great for taxes. Now I pay my personal account. Now my personal account, we want to run profit and losses in our own personal finance. And that's the concept of treating your household like a business. You're looking for profit, profit first. There's a great book called Profit First. It's a business business, but I teach that in household finance because our business and our earnings is not what creates wealth. It's how we spend that creates wealth and what we don't spend that creates wealth. And in fact, where we just alternate some of our household spending towards asset buying, which is a different type of spending. So when we're looking at a profit first, and we know how much profit we need to run or take out of our household, and we base all of our expenses after that, and we're running the profit and losses, and we're looking where our money goes, and we know where we're maybe overspending or underspending in these different categories. But now that profit is what we put in the... And so that's the whole container of household finance. That's where wealth is created, is all through household finance. And how we manage and how we move our money through the household and how we spend, like I said, and how we don't spend. And then the third container, and this is the one that takes time, that's the asset container. That's the investment container. That's the balance sheet. And the balance sheet is our net worth, is our asset value, is the the value of all of our assets and the worth of those assets, not necessarily in terms of valuation, but worth in terms of how much money will that pay us in passive income. It's some future period of time that can replace our working income, i.e. what some people call retirement, what I call financial freedom. So when we know that there are these three containers where we spend time really thinking about wealth and wealth creation and what we're doing to, to start to build that net worth over time, we're really into our personal finance because and looking for that profit, managing that profit, making sure because that's where wealth is created. And we're really keeping an eye on our earnings and asking the question, like, how do I maximize you know, my earnings and profitability and that type of thing in my business? Now, how do we integrate all these together? And how do we reverse engineer to know our wealth or freedom numbers all the way back into telling us how much money we have to spend in our household, all the way back in to tell us how much we need to earn to be able to have enough money to spend on the lifestyle we want in our household, while at the same time having enough money to invest. So you see, these are three separate and integrated. And this is a very simple, like... Flowy process, and I call it cash flow. And it's really like how to flow our money beginning to end and from end to the beginning very consciously so that we have these monies to live this really awesome, intentional, deliberate life today that's full of, you know, rich experiences and that type of thing. While at the same time, we're creating that future for our future self as well. And again, these are it requires that we spend money we understand the difference between the wealth game and income game it requires that we get really good at money and managing our money and it requires that you know we many times give up a little bit of lifestyle today to have that same lifestyle tomorrow and it requires the final thing it requires is you have to do a little bit of math
0: i like how you broke it down into these containers and i feel like in just working with clients i see where like they get stuck right and a lot of times like especially if you st- are operating in that consumption mode, right? Or because you mentioned like maybe foregoing some of the things that like the wanting something now kind of pleasures. And so you can your bucket number two or container number two was household finances, so, like getting really good with like, okay, if I do have debt, maybe I need to pay that off as fast as possible because then that will give me the, the freedom, right? To create the, the assets and the wealth and buy the assets in um, the wealth in the third container that we're all kind of been talking about at the beginning, right? Like the real estate, real estate is an, is a tool to give you that you can invest in the stocks and bonds and businesses. It's one way. It's one way. It's not (laughs) the way, right? Uh,
1: It's one way. And it's got its pluses and minuses. Like everything else has its pluses and minuses. And it's not for everyone, but it, it certainly is. But with whatever your investment du jour is, you know, you want to get really good at that, right? Like study it, read books, listen to podcasts, you know, whatever it takes. And just like anything, you just gain some knowledge if that's where it sounds like I think I could really love real estate. There's no shortage of good books. And like I said, podcasts and information out there to start learning today to be able to be a really savvy real estate investor. If you think that's what will be very exciting. If real estate sounds horrible to you, then find something else that sounds like, hey, if I got really good at this type of investing, I think I could really dig that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So on that note, how could our listeners connect with you? I know you do have your Wealthy, Wealthy, is it Academy? I think I'm getting it that off, but a Wealthy, Wealthy platform.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I actually have a money school and
0: really oh. the tagline is everything
1: that we should have learned in school about money, but they didn't offer that class. So I teach everything we're talking about and just simplify money, give it clarity, know your numbers. It's like it's just one of those things like when we get our money cleaned up and we understand it, we get it working for us versus the other way around. It simplifies like every category of life. And there's there's something for all of us to learn around the skill around money. And so I do have that. But if my name is Christina, it's a K and two S's. And so if anybody's interested, just go to Christina.com and I have on that page, I have a free copy of my book, which I cover a lot of this. It's a very easy, fun read. I tell a little bit of life story in there and make it, even though it's a book about money, it's not dry and boring. It's actually very quick and easy and fun read. And there's a lot of just really a lot of wisdom, a lot of nuggets in there. So you can get a free copy, free download of my book. I have a little money masterclass that talks about the five truths about money and the five myths about money that, you know, when we can kind of rearrange our what we believe to be true with what is likely false and replace that with what really is true about wealth. There's just a little mini masterclass there that's easy to listen to on video or watch on video if you prefer that over books. And then I just have four simple steps to building wealth as a download. So it's just like pick your poison. And that's just at Christina.com. It's a great place just to be oriented to me and my work. And if it's something that resonates, great. And if not, there'll be some really good nuggets to pick up.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. We definitely will include the link in the show notes and any last minute thought around the real estate. And <laughs> we started a conversation all the way from the looking into finances as a, as a business.
1: Yeah. You know, I just, my mission is to really invite and encourage everyone to really want to get good at money, to love their money, spend time with it, understand it, and, you know, just, to is a desire. so that's why I have that's why I do what I do to really make it accessible and learnable and doable because wealth is it's available for all of us, but not if we don't understand it. And most of us are very ignorant and oblivious just because the traditional wisdom out the conventional wisdom out there is flawed. it's it's false. and it's historical based on ancient things that just no longer work. So that's what I say is just you know get interested and want to get good at this money thing.
0: Awesome, I'm excited. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Hey Money Boss, thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. Uh, So don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your life.